Welcome to the special episode of the Liberal Europe podcast. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. And today I ask Ambassador Andras Simoni to come back to the podcast, since you already had the privilege of having him as a guest, to talk about what is happening in the United States. We all seen the images of the protests on the streets against police brutality, police discrimination and systemic racism. Ambassador Simoni not only is a former ambassador of Hungary to the United States, he is now a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council US and he lives in Washington DC, which has been the epicenter of the protests. And after our conversation, I challenge Mrs. Simoni to tell us a little bit about his latest book, which is Rocking Toward the Free World, When the Stratocaster Beat the Kalashnikov, which is exactly about hope in the future and the promise of America. So with no further ado, I bring you Ambassador Andras Simoni. here with Ambassador Andras Simoni. Mr. Ambassador, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Well, good to be with you again. Oh, it's a privilege to have you back. And you are the right person to talk to me about what is going on in the United States of America, not only because you have a history with the country being uh, an ambassador, you also have a connection now because you work with the Atlantic Council which works exactly to improve the American status in the world with global challenges. And you live in Washington, D.C., where uh, most of the things are happening right now. So let's start with that. Give me a byline. What are your thoughts of what is going on right now? Well, it's pretty terrible. Uh, we live very close to the White House. So I have been observing the, um, the demonstrations, the peaceful demonstrations, and then some of the demonstrations that turned uh, kind of wild. And I have also uh, seen the, some of the police brutality. Uh, so this is, this is really, you know, I might say firsthand account, uh, but all in all, I'm impressed with the way people have been handling themselves. And I think America... Uh, with all the problems we have today, should be proud of the young people the way they have been demonstrating. And maybe not just the young people. You know, generations, across generations, they have been demonstrating peacefully. And, uh, and I think this is, a, this is a very big thing. That is a fantastic point that you raised because one of the things I've been reading, it's how different the uh, the crowds on the protests look meaning that of course during the 60s we went through uh, some very tense situations in america but it was mostly a black community um, cause but now as you said there's all kinds of people white people latino black so in your opinion what made that shift happen well i wasn't here in the 60s but this is definitely not the 60s um, it's a different time uh, <clears throat> for, for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, 50 years on, we still have a problem in this country, a problem of racism, uh, which is the underlying problem, problem of pro police brutality. There is an economic crisis, uh, um, um, uh, which is the result of the COVID uh, crisis. Uh, so it's a totally different situation. What is also different is that 
uh, technology is makes sure that uh, things are happening in a transparent manner and it's kind of mind-boggling how much difference it makes that people are taking pictures they're videoing with videotaping uh, what's happening and all that comes together so it's it's really not the same situation before we we continue our conversation i just want to say that uh, this is a very tough year for America. It's election year. Anyone in, in Europe who's looking at America, is, oh, that country is going down. Uh, I, I look at it differently. I think uh, what is happening today, and especially the demonstrations, and especially the powerful messages coming uh, from from the demonstrations, and not just from the demonstrations, from from uh, from Americans. I repeat, across the board, uh, I think uh, it shows that uh, American democracy is allow, uh, uh, alive and well, and that actually the immune system of American democracy kicks in in very critical times. So that I just wanted to 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 mention this because there are so many people across uh, uh, across the world in and also in Europe that kind of demonstrate a, a sort of schadenfreude, schadenfreude meaning that, you know, well, finally things have gotten to the Americans, which is, of course, silly because if American democracy fails, then democracy elsewhere fails. So just wanted to mention this because this is very, very important for everyone to understand. Indeed, and you express that very elegantly on your Twitter account, which I recommend our listeners to follow at Andras Simoni, but I'm going to put that on the podcast description. Exactly, you made that warning. And it's very interesting that you say that because now we're also seeing some other parts of the system reacting, like, for example, the military. Uh, while, while we're recording this, some very important generals and even members of the former members of the administration, they came out and they say, what is happening? It's wrong. And as you said, the people in the streets, we also, saw, we also see the polls, we see the media, and we'll be talking about that in a second. Why doesn't the GOP, meaning the Republican Party, sees what's happening around them? What is making them stubbornly maintain this position of being with the president all the way? Well, first of all, I think much more importantly, uh, the Secretary of Defense has distanced himself from the idea that the military should be used against American citizens. Mm -hmm. While I do respect, uh, you know, myself being a former, <laughs> former ambassador, it's great that former, former speak out, but I think it's a lot more important that people in power uh, make clear that they don't like this idea. So I want to I want to say this is really good. Of course, it's important that people who who uh, command respect in the military and these are former retired four star generals, some of the highest ranking people ever in the United States uh, have been very clear about this. So I think this is good. The, the, the response to why Republicans are not responding well. First of all, uh, it's an election year, and and it's it's very it's a very very delicate balance there. Uh, they they're walking, you know, uh, because um, because they're trying to weigh uh, the the elections to uh, managing 
their conscience, uh, managing their uh, their relationship to the Constitution. So I have to say it's very tough. I would have loved. I would love to see more uh, Republicans speak out, like uh, Senator Murkowski from Alaska uh, did uh, yesterday. Uh, and 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 it is important. It is important that uh, Republicans stand up for the values uh, which uh, which this country stands for. Uh, but uh, but I want to remind that it's all about the elections. And and having said that, I have to say that we we might have our desires and our wishes for who wins the elections. But uh, what is happening today is so far from uh, from November, when the actual elections take place, no one should take for granted that Trump will lose the elections, and no one should no one should take for granted mm-hmm. that African Americans, especially uh, young African Americans, will automatically uh, vote for for the Democrats. So this is going to be a very very difficult uh, couple of months. Ahead of us, uh, I it's a little long-winded uh, uh, to your uh, answer to your uh, to your question, but I just wanted to frame it so that people understand that 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 uh, you know this is not a revolution. This is a this is an incredibly important thing happening in the in in America, which ha- which will have long-term impacts. But I just want to wanted to warn you that. You know, in an election year, anything can happen. Indeed. Um, let me uh, go back a little bit in our conversation because you you were mentioning the police. A lot of examples of brutality that has have been absolutely jaw dropping. Apart from the death, of co- of course, that everybody knows. Everybody that has been following this know that the neck, the, the sorry, the knee on the neck for eight minutes. But you said something that was really interesting, and I'm going to pick it up because you said people are taking pictures, people are making videos. You've been living in the United States for some time now. Was this always present and, of course, now is more visible because of technology, or have things got worse in the last years? I don't think things uh, have gotten worse. I think society has gotten much more transparent. Mm-hmm. I think probably, probably before the advent of uh, video, uh the the situation was much worse i mean i mean so many things happened that went undetected unnoticed uh, people people being killed people people african americans being harassed uh, you know so so i don't think this is new and frankly i don't think it's gotten worse but it's it's just that that now things are happening in front of our eyes. And, uh, and uh, you know, in many ways, in, 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 many, in, in many ways, I think uh, uh, this is, first of all, first of all, it's important that we acknowledge the fact that 99% of the police force is, is just doing their job. They're trying to you know, keep criminals uh, criminals off the street. Uh, you know, maintain order. So, so that's an important aspect. It's that one percent, uh, the bad apples, uh, that we have to you know 
get out get out of the equation and i think what is happening now is going to it's it, things are not going to disappear all, overnight the problem is not going to go away but i'm absolutely certain this is going to be a big leap and i i think we're going to take a big leap uh on the road to fix this problem which is terrible for the united states and it's harming not just the african-american community but it's harming american democracy in general hopefully so we will give that very important step but i'm going to press you a little more and i understand if you want to couch your response that's fine but what do you say then to the complaint that president trump where he says, when he says to the police, well, don't be nice to suspects, you know, don't treat them well. Or, for example, when he says um, the media, it's the enemy of the people. And then we've been seeing so many attacks on the media during this, uh, this protest, these demonstrations. Do you think that there could be a correlation? There's not enough data to assume that? Or do you, or do you think that, again, this has been always present? I don't want to miss my words. I think this was a stupid statement. I think it is it is very dangerous to make statements like that. It is important that uh, the president of the United States does not divide the country, but unites the country, and statements like this do not help. So I just want to make this very clear. But on the other hand, I don't think this in itself has uh, been it or is the reason why things have gotten out of hand uh, in the last couple of weeks. I think I think mm -hmm. we must remind ourselves that one, uh, this has come in a in a moment of uh, of a terrible crisis, uh, global crisis, uh, which in the United States the COVID nineteen crisis, which is hitting uh, the African American community disproportionately. And so this is one thing. The second thing is people are out of a, out of out of a job, and uh, statistically, uh, the African American community, community, poorer people, are harder hit uh, than the than the rest of rest of society. This combined with the hopelessness of many young African Americans, it's just you know it's just uh, things uh, you know. Many people just said, okay, enough is enough. Look. I have to tell you that uh, before the George Floyd uh, 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 tragedy, there was this incident in Central Park where a young white uh, white lady called the yes. cops mm -hmm. on a bird watching a bird watcher uh, African American young man, and what is really uh, hurting people is that it turns out that this young uh, woman. Uh, is a democratic voter, a self-claimed uh, liberal. He's given money to the uh, Obama campaign, which suggests that, you know, the pre prejudice uh, against uh, African-Americans is, is, is present uh, across society. Now, I'm not saying all, all, all of these people are equally responsible, but I, it's just a reminder that they're crazy and stupid people uh, uh, everywhere, and so that uh, it's also a reminder that racism is unfortunately present in communities uh, rich 
you know, less well to do, unfortunately, I have to say, especially in your forum, it's also present in some liberal circles. So I just want to say that that it is it is a problem we have to we in the United States have to solve and we have to face um, and we don't simplify it just to think that some stupid statements by the president of the United States is the uh, most important reason why things are evolved uh, like this. Understood. And uh, if our listeners want to follow a little more about this particular incident that Ambassador just mentioned, we're talking about Christian and, uh, Cooper on Amy Cooper. Actually, they have both uh, the last name. And uh, Christian Cooper, as Ambassador said, he's a bird watcher. And there was this situation where Amy Cooper had her dog and the dog was not with the leech, which is park rules. And as he uh, said to her, please leash your dog. She, and I totally agree with you, she looked more like a fool than, than basically a racist. She just reacts in the most stupid way possible. So if you want to know more information, just look on Google about Amy Cooper. Now, let's talk about, and you just mentioned that the United States have a lot to work to do. Europe can help. And with me being, of course, here in Europe, I've been following what, for example, Renew Europe, the uh, group from the European Parliament with the Liberals and the Democrats, and they had uh, a press statement exactly condemning George Floyd murder and how this been out of control and there is the question of police brutality and police discrimination. In your opinion, is this something that can have effect? Is the United States too much turn on itself right now? To be paying attention to what you know being going on in the rest of the world relating to the crisis that is going on i think it is important that uh, europeans pay attention to this it is important uh, that they voice their concern um, about the situation in the united states but i would also kind of uh, hope that uh, Europeans would not hide behind the American issue uh, and the George Floyd issue. Their uh, their disdain for America uh, in general. So anti-Americanism sometimes comes in the form of mm -hmm. uh, criticism that is uh, justified, but there is an underlying anger and underlying uh, hatred. Of America, these two things uh, must be carefully distinguished. So this is one thing. The second thing is, I have to say that uh, I hope for the Europeans this is a wake-up call, not about brutality in America, but about the, some of the things that are going on in in Europe. I mean, some of the discrimination that is happening in Europe, so some of the some of the racist, uh, some of the blatantly racist uh, phenomenon that we see in Europe. Uh, take uh, uh, the situation of uh, the Roma, um, in brackets, the mm -hmm. gypsies, uh, in, in, in Central Europe, uh, how they are being discriminated against. I would like to see Europeans uh, uh, be angry about discrimination at home. Uh, uh, in in their own countries, more vote be more vocal about anti-Semitism, 
all that in my my mind comes together, and I just hope that uh, Europeans will be as vocal uh, in their criticism of uh, of racism in Europe as they are uh, the situation and racism in the United States. I think this is really important, and especially especially. Uh, renew Europe that it stands that has been standing up for these values, standing up for human rights, has been very vocal on the on the issue of human rights in China. I think it has to take the lead and push other parties to be vocal about human rights, not just in the United States. Uh, this is a good moment uh, to criticize the United States when it is uh, warranted. Uh, but go on and be very vocal about human rights violations elsewhere in the world. Those are two fantastic points. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I'm going to stay 30 seconds on your first one because Please. at least it's part of my personality to be pro-American. Of course, noticing everything that is wrong with that country, like it is in Portugal, like it yes. is in Hungary. But I, we do love the United States. And now there's this perfect storm with all the anti-Americanism. Plus the Trump administration, it's giving all the ammunition of those uh, people that you just mentioned. And as you mentioned on your Twitter, that is not uh, a good, uh, it's not a good idea. Because if that experiment in democracy fails, then it can fail everywhere. Now, I would like to, since you're here, let's talk a little bit about politics and let's talk about then the elections. I'm sure you follow it very closely, as I am. And as you mentioned, it's still a long time away. It's in November. But how do you see those dynamics and what I imagine is going to be a very uh, difficult summer with the employment, with still COVID going on? What do you think that uh, we will be in the United States in September? What is important for everyone to understand that as bad as the situation is at this moment, and of course, uh, America has to uh, get over uh, the present uh, human rights crisis, uh, the majority of Americans are really concerned about the economy. And this is understandable because uh, you, they need to feed their families. Mm -hmm. They need to pay their rent, their mortgages, their health care, etc., etc. Therefore, uh, I do believe that uh, the economy is going to play a very, very important role. Of course, uh, what the, the crisis at hand now has to be not just managed, but it has to be clear that it's not just under control, but that something is being done about the systemic racism. And that it, it's not going to make it go away. But I think then this next election is not going to be about a hum, human rights uh, crisis. It's not going to be about the Constitution. I think Trump is aware of that. Uh, as, much as, as much as people want to think that he's just an, a, a crazy guy who is doing this or that, I think he's uh, he's very tactical, and I think he has some he he has thought it thought it out. So one should be very careful not to think that the present crisis, I repeat, will uh, will automatically um, 
put put the Democrats in in power. So at this at this moment, it is totally um, irresponsible, you know, to to suggest uh, any any outcome of, uh, of of you know suggest or think that you can predict the outcome of the election. It's way too early. One more thing. I want to repeat something I said before, but I think it's important to repeat again. Uh, the Democrats cannot automatically count on the Af African-American vote. On the one hand, it's because uh, young African-Americans who are out on the street now demonstrating might not even vote. Historically, unfortunately, they have not been uh, the most diligent voters. Uh, if they go and vote in big numbers, it could be a decisive uh, element uh, in, in the elections. But uh, what I see today is that the Democrats, and uh, especially uh, uh, Joe Biden, uh, the Democratic candidate, the presumed Democratic candidate, uh, must do much more in order to in order to win the uh, uh, the support of the African American community. So uh, I just want to say, you know, it's everything is very fluid, and once again, it's really you know six five months is a long time. Well, I'm going to ask you to come back because we need to talk about that because one of the uh, one of the steps that he can make is to select a VP that is uh, a black person. And he already mentioned that he has a couple of black women on his shortlist, Kamala, Kamala Harris, Val Demers, for example. So yes, when we have more information, I want to have you back on the podcast. But now we're going to end up on a positive note, on a more light note. And I want you to tell me all about rocking Thor the free world when the Stratocaster beat the Kalashnikov. So this is your book, and it's a memoir. So tell us a little bit to our listeners uh, what came about for this book, what you wanted to tell about you for people that want to read uh, what you've been through from your youth to where you are right now. Well, thank you for asking. Uh, my book is... Um really about uh, growing up behind the Iron Curtain where and when rock and roll music was our lifeline to the free West. Uh, for those of the younger uh, listeners who might not know what the Iron Curtain was, because there might be many who don't <laughs> even know what it was, it was the virtual uh, curtain dividing East and West, Eastern Europe from the West. Uh, which was stretching from uh, East Germany through Czechoslovakia uh, to Hungary and way down to the Mediterranean. And, and so my book is also a message of hope about uh, why and how rock and roll music filled our days with happiness uh, when things were really looking looking. Uh, dark, uh, you know, I should have I should have given maybe a different title to my book. I came up with the other day, uh, when things go dark, turn on the radio. 
Oh, and, nice. And, <laughs> and me, meaning, meaning that, you know, us listening to forbidden radio stations, Radio Free Europe, Voice of America, Radio Luxembourg, uh, really uh, plummeted us to New York, uh, uh, Los Angeles, London, uh, uh, Paris. And we were suddenly one with our peers in the West. And but it's also a book about America. Uh, I I spent a lot of time in the book talking about how we saw uh, America, how America was a beacon of hope uh, for us in Eastern Europe, and I think it's relevant today. And I'll tell you why, because my message is that while the American dream that we all think. Uh, we can find in America, you can't find it in America because in a pure form, it does not exist. But the American idea is there. Mm -hmm. And the big American idea about freedom, about tolerance, about understanding, about embracing embracing uh, uh, freedom and the freedom of speech, the big idea is still there. And I think that's that's really what my book is about. Uh, so, I, you know, I did not want to write a tear-jerking, uh, tear-jerking uh, account of what it was to grow up in a communist country. But I do hope that many of your listeners will lead, read the book and understand a couple of things. First, never lose hope. Two, never take your freedom for granted. Uh, sir, you make me feel so much better talking to you. I've been very depressed of what I've been seeing in the country of the United States, which I also live there and I study there. I took my PhD there. And there was this, there's this passage on your book that I want to read where you say, America seemed like a kind of place where opportunity was everywhere, where anything could happen. I was always impressed by American self-confidence and informality. And later on, you say, my future was settled. I was going to be a cabinet minister. So when I read this, I thought to myself, this, is, this sounds really similar to me. <laughs> you, know, you know, Ricardo, let me tell you this, because I think it might be interesting for you to hear. There is a character in my book, Billy Hansen. Mm -hmm. Billy Hansen. Billy Hansen was my best friend, and his father was an American pastor. And this Billy Hansen taught me so much about America. And you should know that his father was very close friends with Martin Luther mm -hmm. King. And so I knew about Martin Luther King, uh, uh, about Martin Luther King from Billy Hansen. Uh, I attended, I attended the American American Church at a at, for a short time when I was living with my parents in in Copenhagen. So. They, gave, they were the window to America for me. Fast forward, uh, 50 years later, I found Billy Hansen, and guess what? He's living in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. This person who taught me about Martin Luther King, about tolerance, about how everybody is equal, who, the, the person who explained to me why America is such a great country, he happens to live in Minnesota, just a couple of miles from where George Floyd was murdered. And I thought I'd share this with you because I spoke with Billy last week. And to me, it was kind of a very, very 
bizarre, weird situation, weird moment. But I also think that it is it is something that uh, others might better understand uh, when they read the book, why I feel so passionately about the United States. Life is a circle. I'm going to put the link on the podcast description. Again, rocking for the free world when Stratocaster beat the Kalashnikov. It's been my privilege to be talking with you, Mr. Ambassador. It's always great to have you on the podcast. And I will keep asking you for you to come as long as you want to come and talk to me. You're always welcome. Thank you, Ricardo. And also give my best regards to all my friends in Renew Europe. I'm back just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you like it, give us a five star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. Now for some of the events organized by Alpha this first part of June. We're still going strong with the Liberties in Lockdown webinars every Wednesday morning where you can see some of the most important discussions on how the European Union can recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. To know more about this a series of events, you have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs>